here we go. Another edition of Jamal About Sports coming to you on a Tuesday night, June 27th, 2017. Kicking it off with a little old school, little run DMC with Here We Go from live at the Fun House. I want to say probably 1983. And I want to say I've not heard that since high school. Okay, there you go. And then you just heard him, the man, the myth, the legend, back by popular demand. My man, A.G., what is up? Not too much. Fresh off yet another adventure getting home oh. via, via the MTA. So so if you don't live in New York, be happy you don't have to deal with, with, with MTA community each and every day. It's just getting worse and worse mm-hmm. and worse mm-hmm. and worse. Mm-hmm. Today there was actually a tra- uh, an A-train derailment at 125th Street. I saw that. The whole system up for, I, I, I saw that. Actually, a pretty scary accident um, from uh, yeah. guys that were on the train. I pretty, saw that. I saw, I saw a door got ripped off. Um, so you, you see what I'm dressed in right now? You want to enlighten the audience? What I'm wearing? A t-shirt, shorts. Correct. That, that's, that's, your, that's your work. Time. This is what I've been wearing all day. Very nice. Uh, Very because nice. guess guess who does guess, not guess go, who does not have to go into the office? Guess who does not guess, guess who does not go into Manhattan uh, if he can avoid it? Certainly, <laughs> certainly will not will not step foot on the subway during rush hour either in the morning or uh, in the early evening. Will. Not dead, not gonna dead. At least twice a week, it's a major adventure getting either to work or. It's an absolute disaster. It is an absolute disaster. I mean, I saw. 100 100 years system. I understand. Can't quite quite keep up. I understand. The infrastructure is shot. Uh, The tunnels are old. The switches are old. Signal problems every single day. Signal problems every day. Can't handle the volume of riders. I mean, there's too many people in this city now. Where we live in Brooklyn, there's too many people coming out of and coming into. I mean, it's just, it's just, it can't, it can't accommodate the vo- the sheer volume, the mass of humanity that exists. I mean, it just can't. It's a disaster. Look, when I was working at my job prior to where I'm at now, and I did have to go into an office every day, I would sometimes take. The four five, I could take. I'm close to the F, but I'm also kind of close to the four five. The office was on Madison Avenue and Forty Fourth Street, so so I could take the the F to to, it's a pretty to easy Bryant run. Park and walk, yeah. or I could take the the four five to Grand Central and walk. Six and one half does the other. Four five is a faster train. The F, if you get on early enough in the morning, is not that crowded. Four five train is generally always a disaster. Um, so, I mean, I, but I, I used to be on a kick where I would take the 4-5 train. I would walk down onto the platform at, like, say, 6, 6.30 after leaving the office. I'm, you'd think you were in Mumbai. I mean, the, the oh, platform it's, it's on the, exactly. for, for the 4-5 train at Grand Central Station is so – it's just teeming with a, a sea of humanity. It is so unpleasant in every single See, now, way. See, by my job, I'm on 59th. Right. So if I get the 4 or the 5 – Yeah. Because the F's doing it, it's F thing. Yeah, I'm in decent shape because it's you know because it's it's uh, it's it's long before you get to, to Grand Central. Right. So I can usually get on a train okay, but by, obviously by 42nd, it's just right. Like no, look, my dentist is up by is on 58th Street, and I've had to go there recently. But I go, I make my appointments for like two o'clock in the afternoon. Got so, a great dentist in Brooklyn. Save you the whole trouble. Is that right? Oh yeah. I've been going to her for 25 years. She's awesome, but. I mean, I literally, I have to plan any appointment, be it for work or otherwise, that might be in the city around the off hours of the day. Because actually, if you take the subway at, say, 11 o'clock in the morning, it's a, del- it's a delight. I mean, there's, there's, there's nobody on it. It, it, it runs. It, it's, it, I mean, it's great. But yeah, I mean, you saw people literally crawling out of trains last week and walk rather, rather than stand there and sit there in stifling heat. And suffocating, basically, they got out of the train and walked through the tunnel to get out, uh, you know, out on the platform. Did you see that? You talking about today? No, no, last week. No, I didn't see. No, that. there was two guys on the F train. Yeah, yeah, they they'd about they'd been, you know they got signal problems. First, it was traffic train up ahead. That was the first announcement. Right. With, sorry, you know they're stuck there in the middle of the tunnel. Sorry, tra- we, should, we should be moving shortly. Right. Then all of a sudden, tra- train traffic. By the way, somehow there's traffic in the train. Somehow, like I'm on the Grand Central Parkway. That's number one. Number two, uh, then then apparently the, sh- the train just shut down. All the electricity came off, AC off, right? It's summer. It's hot. Uh, it's hotter, obviously, in, in the tunnels than it is 
uh, up yeah, so here. People generally generally react very well to that. Yeah, yeah. So finally, these two guys just said, "All right, that's a wrap," and they like climbed out somehow nice. of the train. I mean, it, it was not the, the smartest thing, for, you know. Obviously, with the third rail and everything else, it could go wrong. But uh, yeah, yeah, they, they'd about that, had that, it. That's one. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, the subway system in the city is an absolute disaster. Anyway, big show to get to tonight. Uh, we've got uh, a little bit of NBA draft recap. Uh, we'll talk. NBA, that's, they play basketball. Yeah, right? I know. Not not your strong suit these days anymore. It used to be. I know. I know the Knicks have done this to you, and Philip in particular, and, and and Jimmy Dolan. And we'll get to those two clowns in a second. Uh, we'll talk some baseball. Talk some Metsies. We'll talk some of your Yanks. Little uh, AL East all around, uh, shaping up to be a pretty good race for the as as the the season heats up literally and figuratively. Um, because there's still a full three months left in the baseball season. Uh, we'll talk about, uh, I talked about this on a show I did by myself last week. Um, the, I mean, I, 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 get, I know you've probably been paying attention how home runs are way up in baseball. Uh, and some, well, some, some of the reasons for that. Nobody has a home run under 430 feet. Well, that, that too. But, I mean, you, you know, you, you got guys like Lomo, who has 23 home runs or whatever it is already. Yeah. Logan Morrison, whose career high was 23 like seven years ago. Uh, and a guy named, by the name he's of... He's a big dude. Oh, yeah, he's a big dude, but I'm just saying. Uh, and he seems like he's getting bigger every year, but... That um, of course being Logan Morrison. Right. From the uninitiated. Yes, Lomo. Um, uh, but here, here's all you need to know. Chris Taylor, who's a light-hitting scrub reject from the Mariners, I believe had three home runs in his entire career leading up to this year. Now, granted, not a huge body of work, but still, three has nine, I believe, maybe now ten home runs for the Dodgers in part-time duty. So, we'll get into the whole Cody Bellinger nonsense. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Then we're going to introduce a new segment on the show called Ad Nauseum, where I rip a couple of terrible commercials that are on, and we'll oh, talk... There, there's some that are... There's, so many. Yeah. Quite the cornucopia of which to choose. And then uh, we'll talk a little bit about Veep, Fargo, and Salt to end the show. But we started the NBA draft, which is maybe the most overhyped and uh, exor- biggest ridiculous exercise in futility uh, of all time. Um, I understand there's a lot of hype surrounding the NFL draft. And listen, there are busts in the NFL draft. Baseball, nobody knows about it. I mean, you know, I know now all of a sudden they're trying to make the baseball draft a thing. It, it's yeah. not a thing. Well, it's, it's not a thing for a number of different reasons. First of all, it's about 75 rounds. Second of all... You know, the, the, the payoff, you know, from draft to actual productivity in the major leagues is typically four to five, five years, years at least. right? I mean, you've seen recently a couple of exceptions, Michael Conforto, uh, uh, Kyle Schwarber, a um, couple of guys, I think, um, uh, who's the guy, a couple of guys from the, the Cardinals. I mean, you've seen a few here and there, but generally speaking, you're talking about drafting high school kids. Yeah, half, right? the, half the pool's... If not more, is, is high school kids right? And you know who, who can follow high school and college? It's just, it's just completely different. It's a completely right. different animal. Well, and baseball, college baseball is unwatchable. First of all, I play with an aluminum bat still, which is idiotic. Um, and so, college baseball to me is pretty much unwatchable. I mean, I, I don't really find there to be no. anything interesting no. about it. No. Uh, so, I mean, so the baseball draft. I mean, you have to be like my buddy Mike, who's a huge Mets fan is, like, super into minor leagues and, 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 and the draft and stuff. I mean, he's, like, but he's, like, on these whole other level stuff. Like, I'll follow the Mets AAA and AA teams via the box scores on MILB.com. Right. That's the extent of it, right? And I'll look and see what Ahmed Rosario and Dom Smith are doing. I don't even doing. go that far. I go, like, every week I check the... Uh, the okay, check, check the standings, the stats. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll check the box scores and see what the Mets' top prospects are doing uh, at AAA and sometimes at AA. That's about it. Uh, but anyway, so the, the baseball draft is a non-event. Um, you know, the NBA draft has been an event for a while. Uh, it seems like it's being hyped more and more and more, especially, you know, with the whole lottery thing, which has been around for a long time now. Obviously, the most famous of which, of course, is Patrick Ewing going to the Knicks, and that's already 30 years ago. Um, but nothing is... Bill, Bill Simmons still contains... Right. Still uh, contends it was rigged. Right. Right. Because right. Right. the Knicks have had, had such a successful run over, over, over the last 40 years. Well, but, I mean, look, how, how much better is the Ewing era looking day by day by day? I mean, we would kill to have those teams now. Kill. Those are some fun teams. Yeah. Well, that, again, and I mean, and, and of course, but at the time, right, he was constantly getting crushed for not being good enough to bring, I mean, to bring home a championship. 
I mean, can you imagine now all the, the, the platitudes for Carmelo if, God forbid, the Knicks ever got to a conference finals, let alone an actual finals? Please. What a joke this franchise is. But anyway, so, so here's why, a couple of reasons why I think the NBA draft is a total joke, and the, uh, it's especially compared to the NFL. So number one, the amount, the bust rate in the NBA draft is off the charts for the, the lottery, right, that everybody talks about. Um, you know, so the top, like, 13 picks, but even the, the first round. So we'll go, we'll go back, we'll, we'll, do, we'll use 10 years as a sample size. 2007 draft, first pick was Greg Oden. Now, at the time, he was the consensus pick for the most part. It was between him and Kevin Durant. Right, and Durant went too, but nobody was killing Portland at the time for drafting Greg Oden. Obviously, we know, all know the story with the injuries and everything else. The interesting thing is, Greg Oden, even without the injury stuff, if they were redrafting that draft day 10 years later, might not even be a top 10 pick because of the way the NBA has completely changed now, where big centers like that are pretty much non-existent and nobody even tries to play to those guys' strengths anymore. Now, every big man has to be able to shoot threes, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Um, you know, nobody really dumps it down in the post anymore and plays inside out. Everything is how an athlete. I mean, only, the, by the way, the Knicks are the only team that know that this is not how the game, the way the game is played now. You have to have a super athletic point guard and surround him with shooters guys and, and playmakers and guys that can penetrate, draw the defense, and kick out. Except the Knicks. The Knicks, the Knicks still know that a good plotting point guard that can't beat anybody off the dribble and can't defend anybody on the other end of the court. They, they that's so, the way to go. So mm-hmm. That's the way to go. So, all right. I digress. Greg Oden, number one. Durant, number two. Now, Again, the Odin thing, circumstances, Durant's been a great player, obviously just won the MVP. Third pick, Al Horford. Nice player. Ridiculous that he was the third pick in the draft. He's still playing, right? Yeah, he's still playing. He's a nice player, but third pick in the draft? No. I mean, third pick in the draft should be a major difference maker. Al Horford's a nice piece. He's on, I think, his third team, or if not, maybe the... Well, let's see. He got drafted by... No, he started out with the Hawks, and now he's on the Celtics. So he's the second team. Not that big a deal. It's 10 years in a league. I mean, he's been a nice, solid, above-average player, but certainly not third pick of the draft worthy. Mike Conley Jr., number four, pretty good pick there. Jeff Green, number five, terrible pick. He's, he's nothing more than a role player, bench player. Chairman Yi, number six, Yi Jian Lan Lan, the Chinese guy, remember? Chairman Yi was his nickname because he worked out against the chair. That was his big... They, when, when Bill Simmons, I believe, dons him Chairman Yi because, <laughs> because his big... His big uh, his big workout was he was doing low post moves against a chair. Ah. Yeah. Uh-huh, nice. And shooting over a chair. Nice. So, yeah. T- and he was a total washout. Uh, Corey Brewer, seven. Terrible pick. I mean, they have him briefly? They did. And Mike D'Antoni had no time no time for him. Look, Corey Brewer's a nice bench player, right? He's a nice, he's a decent rotation guy, but certainly not the seventh pick of the draft. That'd be like, a, that'd be tantamount to the NFL if the seventh pick in your draft was a good special teams player and yeah. backup linebacker, basically. If the seventh pick in the draft is that. Um, yeah, Ernie Sims, right? He was ninth, but yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and actually, Corey Brewer has a better has had a better NBA career than Ernie Sims had an NFL career, but, you know, somewhat similar to that. Uh, Brandon Wright, number eight, I believe he's out of the league. Joel Kim Noah, number nine, good pick. Spencer Hawes, 10, again. Get, this is, what year was this? This is 2007, 10 years ago. Right. Spencer Hawes at 10, eh, just a guy. You know, he's, he's, he's a big shoot, uh, an outside shooting big man. Uh, and now, I mean, now, now you just get a bunch of junk. I mean, AC Law, the fourth. Thaddeus Young's been an okay player. Okay. Julian Wright, I believe, out of the I mean, league. Most, I mean, most of these guys played for a while, though. They right? played, but, I mean, none of these guys were major impact players is what I'm saying. I mean, a lot of these guys were not impact players. But you could probably look at any NFL draft and go and go down the line and, and the high percentage of the guys, you know, Wash out in a few in a couple of years too. Um, I mean, you know, I don't think that's unique to, to the NBA. I, I I think it is. I, I, so? I, yeah, I, I, I think especially lately the NFL draft and the amount of research that the, the teams do. Well, here, here's the other thing, and we'll just we'll just go to 2008. I don't want to go through every single year because it takes forever. But 2008, first pick Derrick Rose. Okay, you could argue he, he was definitely a good pick. Michael Beasley, second pick in the draft, awful. Uh, I mean, he's still in the league, but he certainly was not worthy of the second being the second overall pick, and he was out of the league also for a couple of years. O.J. Mayo. Joe, Joe Mayo went there? Yeah, Joe Mayo and his, and his, and nice, his, fur, and his nice man his fur. Uh-huh. <laughs> his man fur went third. Uh, Russell Westbrook, four, obviously a good pick. Kevin Love, five, good pick. Danilo Gallinari, six. Eh. Eric Gordon, seven, good player, always hurt. Uh, Joe Alexander, 
Mm-hmm. Him, whoever he might be. I mean, I remember he was a forward from West Virginia. He went eight. He's out of the league. J.J. Augustine has been a very solid backup point guard in the NBA, but certainly not a star by any stretch. And he was the number ninth pick. Brooke Lopez at 10, okay, pretty good pick. Jared Bayless at 11, again, just a guy. He's a backup, always has been for the most part. Uh, Jason Thompson, 12, I believe, out of the league. I mean, look, a lot a lot of these picks are just, are, are just not are not very good. And I think the reason why is, is a couple of factors. I think the main the, – and look, you can always find good players later in the draft – you know, Kawhi Leonard was the 15th pick in the draft. Isaiah Thomas was the last pick. Of the last draft, pick right? of the second round. Yeah. Last pick of the second round. Uh, Draymond Green was the second round pick. I mean, you know, Wilson Chandler was a, a you know late first round pick. Trevor Ariza was a late first round, or early second round pick. You can find guys. Gilbert Arenas, right? uh, second round pick, wasn't it? Uh, he was. He was. And for a second round pick, he had a good career. Although his career kind of went off the rails. But my point is, this one and done thing. So first of all. College basketball, it, it, it's, I know it's a lot different, too, because it's obviously small rosters. It's only 5 on 5 The NFL, I, I get it. You know, some of it's just math. I get that. But also with the NFL, you know, if you're watching Alabama-LSU, you very well could have 10 guys, 5 on each team, maybe sometimes as much as Those 20. Those games are great because you know you're going to watch a, a handful of players right. who are going to be playing on Sunday. Correct. So if you're an Italian evaluator and you're watching a left tackle for Alabama – who, you know, say three years ago was Cyrus Quanjo going up against the defensive end from LSU, say, Daniil Hunter, right? You know both those guys are going to probably get drafted and play in the NFL. So now you actually have a good friend of reference. Exactly. That's exactly right. The co- college basketball, you know, even if, even the... the really, your line sign, Cyrus Quanjo. Ari, yes. Was it Ari, Ari, Ari Cyrus, Cyrus. Cyrus, the guy from you the Bills. You have some idea who you got. Yes. Um, the... And, and look, I'm not saying obviously every NFL draft pick works out. There's been you know legendary busts like Tony Mandarich and Andre Bruce, and I mean there's been a ton of them. But uh, the point is that in college, you know even the, the top programs, Kentucky and Duke, I mean they, they they might play other really good college teams that might not have one pro on the other on the opposing team. So I think it's harder for a talent evaluator to make a determination of how these guys are going to play against grown men and against professionals, and especially such a different world when we were in high school watching the Big East, right? Where all those well, players were. And guess what? Seen in the NBA. Everybody played four years now or three. Now it's one and done. One right. and done. One and done. One and done. One and done. So these guys go to college for one year. They come out. They're eighteen or nineteen years old. You know, physically and probably mentally unready for the for the league. And you know, this is why you, you kind of you see what you're seeing now. And plus, the NBA has some weird, strange abhorrence for four-year players. God, that's like the worst thing you could do is be a really good four-year player in college. They hate that, uh, but they love these international guys that nobody's ever heard of, uh, you know, except for NBA people, but, the, you know, the average fan hasn't heard of. And some of them worked out. I mean, Porzingis looks like he could work out. And obviously, the Spurs have made, you know, a killing on drafting international players. Gallinari, Tony Parker, uh, just to name a couple. So, I mean... You mean Ginobili. Yeah, I mean, not Gallinari, Ginobili, right. Ginobili, Tony Parker. So, anyway, I just, you know, for all the hype that they like to throw around the NBA draft, these guys that we just saw got taken, I guarantee you like 60% of these guys are out of the league in five years or and or backup players. So, uh, anyway, moving on. Um, speaking of which, the Knicks, of course, took uh, a point guard from they, France that nobody ever heard of. They do like the Europeans, don't um, they? Now, to be fair... The only two decent things Phil Jackson has done in his tenure is draft Porzingis and Hernan Gomez. So, look, maybe this guy's going to be a good player, but he's probably not going to be a good player for another three years, right? He's 18 years old. He put up pedestrian numbers, you know, in the French League. Now, I understand he didn't play a ton of minutes. He's playing an average around 20, 20-something minutes. And, you know, he seems like a good kid and a hard worker, and he's 6'5", with long arms. So he speaks perfect English. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he... Like I said, he could be good in three years, but you know the Knicks don't really. I mean, they're eighty and one sixty six in three years already since Phil Jackson got here. I mean, it is such a joke. And by the way, did you have you read the, the, the story about him falling asleep? Yes. At, uh, at workouts. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Um, now, I mean, look, he's seventy one and and and, and uh, perhaps uh, uh, highly medicated. <laughs> Due to his many ailments. Yes, we've had some off-camera discussions about Correct. that. Correct. Uh, and, I mean, but, again, the, the whole thing with the Knicks, it starts and ends with James Dolan. I mean, if you if you want to use an example of somebody 
who of of of, of you know privilege and being and, and getting dumb lucky and being born into the right family. It's gen- this guy might be homeless if he wasn't born to who he was born. He might be know, the dumbest know. person I have. You ever heard him interviewed? You ever heard James Dolan speak? I've heard him sing the blues. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. J- JD in the one shot. Yeah, man. Seriously, did you hear him interviewed after the whole Charles Oakley fiasco? I didn't. I didn't hear him. I read the. You know, I read the. Okay, so you have to hear him because he has a really. He has a voice that makes it like he's got that Frank Healy-ish voice where he just kind of sounds like adult, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? He just sort of sounds adultish, right? Just kind of thick. Um, and then the most funny thing I've ever. I can I never really remember him being interviewed when he was talking about his 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 his, his great JD, band, his JD and the Straight Shot. Well, 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 you know how it's good to be well rounded. Well, his <laughs> well, I mean, his interviews during the Anuka Brown Sanders thing were embarrassing. Uh, the whole Isaiah Thomas fiasco. I mean, just just well, just just look at just look at two of the guys he's hired to run his team. Isaiah Thomas, who was the Matt Millen of the NBA in a lot of ways. And now Phil Jackson, who's making Isaiah Thomas look like Jerry West as an executive. I mean, that's how bad Phil Jackson has been. Um, and Dolan, so the the, 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 the Oakley thing, he's a, uh, he was on Michael Kay's t- talk show, not on the Yes show, but on the radio. And they were trying to switch it to basketball, so they started pressing him a little bit on, you know, team is obviously going nowhere. You had the Derrick Rose situation early in the year where he didn't show up for a game, and you know what, what? Why would you still keep? Why would I keep Phil? I hired him. I mean, he's the guy that I hired. That that was his answer. Why wouldn't I keep him? He's the guy that I hired. <laughs> he's an embarrassment, a complete and utter embarrassment. And look, just look at the Knicks' record since Dolan has been the owner, right? You you might get. Lo- We've talked about this a lot. As what a year did he, did he take over? Ninety-nine, maybe. Has he? He's been there that long. Yeah, yeah. Ninety-nine was when they made they was when they they, uh, they, they had, had that runs of the correct in, right in the, in the split season because it was the strike. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think it was. You know what? That was the Larry Johnson four point. It was. It was. Yes, and they 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 beat the the crap out of the Hawks in the first uh, in the no they got past Miami in the first round when Allen Houston made that layup and Miami was the one seed the Knicks were the eight seed then they blasted the Hawks in the second round they made the Hawks look old to come in Matumbo had no answer for Camby Spreewell you know the Knicks up tempo style Um, you know of course over Jeff Van Gundy's dead body but um, let's see James Dolan was he on that team. Like, a, like an old Terry Combs who, who's still... He was, still and Buck Williams. Right, both those guys yep. still had something left. Yeah, they did. They both came off the bench, yeah, because they both had to play a lot against the Spurs in the finals because Patrick was hurt, remember? Right. And so we had to run those both those guys out at center against the Twin Towers, and obviously they were overmatched. Spurs want to get that series in five, right? Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Was it a sweep, or did they get in five? Let's see. I want to see when he took over the Knicks. He, he just really... I mean, I, you know... I, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to try to make take personal shots, but I mean, but he, by the way, he's so foul. I mean, you see that he, he he picks fights with season ticket holders. He calls people alcoholics. I mean, he's just he's just the worst. He really is. He doesn't have a great reputation. Either. No, no. Oh, by the way, I I, I know a lot of a lot of uh, ex Knicks who you know who he's like he's given jobs to mm-hmm. people swear by him. Yeah, but like Larry Johnson loves him. Well, yeah, because because he gives Larry Johnson, right. you know, right. let's see. Uh, 99, Dolan was giving an increased role in managing Cablevision sports properties and is now, and that includes the Knicks. So, yeah, it was 99. So, you know, the, look, Dave Checkett's, remember, right, was running the, the Knicks before, and then he quit because of Dolan, basically. Mm-hmm. Couldn't stand working for him. Um, you know, he's the one who brought in Riley. You know, then, okay, they had the Don Nelson thing, didn't really work out, then Van Gundy. But, you know, they had a, at least a sustained string of success there for a little while, a sustained run of success, you know, since Dolan's taken over, I mean, look, look, look at where the team's gone. I mean, they're, what their, their biggest achievement is that, and, and 99 was already, you know, that was, the, the, the groundwork had been laid for by the previous regime. He had nothing to do with the success of the 99 team. Is um, what, they, 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 they lost in seven games to the Pacers in the second round of the playoffs five years ago? Yeah. With Carmelo? I mean, that, that's, that's their shining moment? 
when they came, they came inches away from blowing a 27-point fourth-quarter lead. To the Celtics. Yeah. Yes. Oh, but by the way, Numb Nuts idiot had to get himself suspended in that game because he took the bait from that other clown, Jason Terry, J.R. Yeah, J. Yeah, Smith, exactly. which right. so he had himself suspended for the first game against the Pacers series, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken. Or no, was it the last game against the Celtics? No, it was, I think it was like I think it was after Game Three. I think so. I, 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 it it, it I made the Knicks have to play an extra game that they shouldn't have to play. I think it's it essentially what that ended up right, happening, right. and you know, which obviously didn't serve them well in having to go play the Pacers. Anyway, I mean, just look at look at. Remember, do you remember the Larry Brown era at, at, at Madison Square Garden where he would just play guys? He would just put up a different starting lineup every night. Because if the guy they were playing in, in in the city where the guy might have gone to college, he'd be like, oh, oh, like oh, they were playing the Heat. Oh, David Lee went to. Oh, okay, we'll start him tonight. Like when he was a rookie, even though you know before anybody knew David Lee was any good. Like he was just. He Larry was, Brown didn't even last the season, did he? Uh, I don't know if he did or if he. I mean, listen, Larry Brown also a one of the more overrated coaches in the history of basketball, but secondly, also not exactly a stand-up guy. Um, I mean, have more scandals follow you around and, and, and quit on more teams if you get a chance. And I remember Hubie Brown rallying against him in, like, the early 80s. That's right. That's right. The Hubster, by the way, 84 years Amazing. young and going strong still on NBA. Uh, if doing, you are the Knicks. That's right. Now, we understand, okay, Tony Parker, one of the best pick-and-roll point guards in the league. Um, yeah, he's, he's tremendous. But, I mean, look, the Knicks are an absolute embarrassment. And it, it's hard to get excited about anything they do as long as Dolan is the owner, and especially now that Phil is uh, the, 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 whatever, the president, GM, whatever, you know, role, title he has, it's hard to get excited when he takes pot shots publicly at his, at his you know, supposed best player. And again, I'm sorry, Phil. Did somebody put a gun to your head and make you re-sign Carmelo Anthony, which made no sense at the time, on top of which... He even exacerbates it by giving him a no-trade clause. And if Dolan stepped in and told Phil, you know, because obviously Dolan was the reason Carmelo was here in the first place, right? Actually, the Knicks did have a real GM for a while in Donnie Walsh, and were building a nice actual team there. And then, of course, Dolan had to step in and make sure that the Knicks traded for Carmelo because he was terrified that the Nets were going to get him. And he didn't want to look bad because he was scared that the Nets were going to take away, you know, his fan base and be, you know, the talk of the town because they were moving to Brooklyn right. and the whole thing. Um, but if if Dolan stepped in and said, you have to re-sign Carmelo, I don't care what it takes, um, then Phil should have quit right then and there on the spot. Because that member, that was the whole deal, right? Dolan was, he was wiping his hand, he was stepping back and saying, Phil, you have full autonomy, you do whatever you want. And now basically Phil is just there to provide cover for Dolan. Uh, although it's hard to find Phil because Phil doesn't talk to the media. Like, unless he has his hatchet man, Charlie Rosen, come out with you know blogs on some random uh, and websites and, and kill his the, the players currently on the team. I mean, it makes it's it such an embarrassment. No I mean, sense. Phil continues to just, to just be a thorn in the Knicks side. I know. But <laughs> he's coaching against them? Or yep. Or GMing for them. Yes, uh, it's it's just it's such a disaster. I mean, that guy, that guy's just—he has just been such a yep. A, a, uh, well, and he's so—he's such a smug. Yeah, guy. he's so smug. I mean, that, that's that's uh, that's the best term to describe him. He's just so yeah. That Michael, I hate him. He's just so smug. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be back with some baseball right after this. Out of the break, coming to you with a little social distortion with bad luck. The front man, of course, being Mike Ness. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They were big in the L.A. punk scene back in the day in the 80s. Not very. Yeah, probably not really your thing. Um, but uh, they're, I don't know if you know the song. They're, they're big, their hit was a song called Ball and Chain. I don't know if you know that song. Now, maybe and, if I heard it. Yeah, maybe. Uh-huh. I, I'll, I'll spare the audience, and I won't. I won't sing it for for you or, or for them. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, we all we all dodged a bullet there. Yes, 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 yeah, yes. Good. yes. Good. Um, in any event, we're back. 
little baseball action. Getting back into our comfort zone here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know. The Knicks have beaten you down, and so the NBA is not really your bag these days. But uh, just, just felt the need to kind of get it out there and off my chest a little bit. Um, because actually, it was kind of a fun season for for some other reasons. Russell Westbrook being for me front and center, and he actually did win the MVP last night, so good for him. Um, but we move on to baseball. Uh, I'll start out with the Mets real quick. Um, obviously, they've been a complete disaster. Um, yeah, it's been a rough. It's been a rough season. Yeah, but you know, look, it, it, it's. I understand injuries play play a huge part, right? But as we've talked about many times on the show, uh, you know, they're their own worst enemy when it comes to the injuries. I mean, they, you know, they, they, it's 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 a, it's a total clown show. They, they, they. I mean, so much so that ESPN actually does a whole story on their on their medical situation. Right. I mean, but the thing is, no other team. Does what the Mets do. You never see this where they 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 you know they sort of they, they hem and they haul. Hedge, they hedge and they're always wrong. Right. They're always correct. Wrong. Correct. Correct. And rather than just playing it safe and putting a guy in the DL right away, I mean they've done this with said Drew, as Drupal Cabrera now like three different times this year. So it holds up a roster spot for. Yep. So you play shorthanded for four or five games. Uh, then you finally put the guy in the DL. Then you don't let him rest for enough. You know, the whole thing with Cespedes, I mean, there's no way he should have missed as much time as he did, right? He, he hurt his hamstring. They sh- you know, they let him sit for five days. They should have immediately, the guy said he felt a shock in his hamstring. They should have immediately put him on the 10-day DL, reevaluated him then. If he said he felt fine, fine, you let him play. But if he even said it was bothering him a little bit, you let him sit out for another five games just to be cautious or whatever. And then you would have missed him for 15 games instead of like the 35 that they ended up missing him for. I mean, it's just ridiculous, the whole Syndergaard thing where it's saying, oh, I can't make him take an MRI. Uh, yes, you can. You're the GM of the team. You can make him take an MRI, dopey. So, again, all this was supposed to go away after Omar left and the sage. And, and Syndergaard, yet another one with a Juilliard, uh, Juilliard certified degree. <laughs> well, that's the Mets doctors themselves, yeah. Dr. Van Nostrand, you know, <laughs> trained at the Juilliard uh, Medical uh, Institute. From the clinic. Yes, yeah, the, 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 the clinic. It's a, the, very, very messy. <laughs> yeah. Very messy. I, I mean, don't think she's going to make it. Yeah, I mean, basically, it, we basically have Cosmo Kramer r- running the show over there um, uh, in the medical department. I, it's, 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 it's a disaster. I mean, it's, and why would I, right. a Juilliard trained dermatologist, right. send to another doctor? Right. Uh, because you're not, you're not a doctor. Yeah, so, I mean, listen, the, the, the Mets, I don't want to go rehash this. Uh, their, their, in, their ineptitude when it comes to injuries is, is, le- is, is legendary by now. Uh, the stories are legion. So, you know, it, it, at this point, they are going to try. I know exactly what they're going to try to do. They should just be selling, right? Jay Bruce is having a nice season with 20 home runs. Granderson has done his typical, let me sink the team for the first two months by being the worst player in baseball and then getting hot. You know, uh, when it's when it's too late, um, and so now he's starting to to, to hopefully increase his trade value. Uh, Cabrera might be a useful piece for somebody. Addison Reed could definitely be a useful piece. Jerry Blevins could be, and all these guys have expiring contracts at the end of the year. And Lucas Duda, all those guys should be off the team. Every single one of them, all of them, all. Bye bye, bye bye. Curtis Granderson, bye bye. Lucas Duda, bye bye. Lucas, and by the way, Lucas Duda will go to another team. By the way, it'd be perfect for you guys. I mean. You talk about a perfect fit. He can go fit in, and because even though it's New York, see they actually expect something from him, uh, him here, which he's incapable of handling expectations, which is why he's so streaky because he gets in his own head. This is just my theory on him. I mean, really nice guy, but I mean, you've never seen a guy who looks more miserable in your entire life than Lucas Duda. You don't know if he hit a grand slam or if he went over four with a golden sombrero. I mean, the guy never smiles. It's un like Curtis Granderson at least is like. Kind of like gregarious a little bit, but he never, you know, he doesn't slam his bat. You know, he's always kind of even keel. Lucas Duda looks morose all the time. But anyway, so my theory is that he doesn't like playing for the Mets. He doesn't like the expectations that that they have on him, which is why he sort of doesn't live up to what at times appears to be vast talent. He'd be perfect for the Yankees. First of all, he'd hit a million home runs in that dopey stadium as a left-handed hitter. Second of all. By the way, yes. uh, can we digress for a, for a second here? Yes. Being that you brought up that Dopey Stadium. Yes. Yankee Stadium. All right. Well, I so, mean, so, so, so I went to a game a couple weeks ago. For lefty hitters, yeah. All right, so I went to a game a couple oh, weeks ago. Oh, you did? Yeah, you know, you know me and crowds are just wow. like worse and worse and worse. What, and what, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. This 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 requires further investigation. Why? What what, uh, what, some, what some, possessed some, you to go to a game? Some friends of mine from college were going. Okay. And they said, uh, you know, we 
Good seats? Terrible seats. Wow. See, I'll only go if they're really good seats. I didn't know where the seats were. Okay. But I mean, but first, you know, of course, you have to meet there now beforehand mm-hmm. at, the, uh, at the dugout. Right. So, so you, you know you know what a great venue that is for me. Mm-hmm. Noise, crowds. That's a bar, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Noise, crowds. Uh-huh. You know, not your thing. Not my thing. And get to the stadium. Noise, crowds. Uh-huh. But again. Yep. It's a baseball you used game. To go to, you used to go to Yankee Stadium, and you could watch a baseball game. Right. Okay? I, didn't, I don't need... And I know every stadium has this, except yep. maybe for Dodger Stadium, which is still in 1960. Right. Good for them, by the way. Yep. Um, where every every major league stadium now has to become an event, mm-hmm. a thing now, mm-hmm. because people can't just mm-hmm. let the game entertain mm-hmm. them. Yeah. They need 500,000 things to distract mm-hmm. them. Yep. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I guess oh, yeah. we're, 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 we're getting older and older and less. Yes. But, but, you know, but the whole game is just, a, uh-huh. a, just an assault yep. on my already on my jangled senses. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, with the scoreboard and yep. the noise and, you know. Yep. And, Kiss cam and. Yeah, exactly. This some race. knucklehead. Some, 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 some jackass two rows ahead of me, like, um, just uh, with, his, with his phone, just uh, hoping somebody would watch him. Mm-hmm. Just, just, yeah. Look at me! Right. Look yep. at me! Mm-hmm. Draw attention to me! Me, 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 me! <laughs> so that's, that's the world we yep. live in. Where yes, it's all it about is. me, me, me. That is correct. And you know, and just again, just everything's you know a song and and you know and, and by the way, walk up music. Uh huh. We're yep. the Yankees. Yep. You know, I mean, I know we've been doing this for twenty five years. <laughs> we're the Yankees. You don't, well, don't do walk up. Yeah. Music. And I mean, obviously, I mean, you had that. I mean, might as well start putting their names on the back of our jerseys. Yeah. All right, but yeah. Like, fine. All right. I've accepted the stupid walk up. Uh-huh. Every now and then, somebody has a good song. Uh-huh. Every now and then, right? So it's rare, rare, and rare. Right. But um, just it was it was so miserable. Yeah. It was just like you can't just go to a game and enjoy. No. I mean, back in the old days of. Back in the old days, yes, yeah. mm-hmm. used to be a time yeah. known as Bonneville. Yeah, but whether we watch it at Shea, yeah, which by the city field is still Shea as far as I'm yeah. concerned. But when you know, watch a game at Shea, you watch yeah. a game at the old Yankee Stadium. Yep, you could watch the game, mm-hmm. and that was that was the show. But no, no, now it's just no, sir. But the game, no, sir. That is it's correct. Just, it's just it's just hard. Yeah, it's horrible. It's <laughs> just horrible. It's not great. It's not great. Listen. So yeah, I won't be. I will not be attending any more games I, anytime recently. I, I, anytime and, soon. And nor, nor nor should you. I mean, look. I am so spoiled. The only time I go to a Met game is if my buddy has uh, tickets and invites me because he always has club tickets. So uh, first of all, the seats are always really good. But then even you know if if, if the weather's you know if it's, if it's early in the season, it's a little cold. You get to go into the club inside, so you can sit at the bar. And you can watch, but it's it's you know it's in the stadium. It's right behind where you are. Yeah, it's almost like you have a private bathroom. You can watch you know watch the game on a flat screen TV, free buffet. Like it's it's a whole. It's, it's a different story. It is, but that's but I'm saying I'm a little spoiled brat now. That's the only way I'll go <laughs> to a Mets game. I, the days of me grinding to go to a big Mets game and go sit in the upper deck. Those days are long gone. I mean, it's not. Or a taking chance. the D train to get up there. Oh, please. Uh, to and fro. Oh, right. it's just a whole, yeah. Oh, yeah. a whole process. Oh, yeah. And that's the other thing. Getting to the Bronx from Brooklyn is not that easy. I mean, you yeah, can so take. They got to, yeah, so they got to take the D, the D back right. to 47. I have to wait for the F. No, I was waiting for the F for 45 minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's just a whole thing. It's a horror show. Yeah. No, it's a horror show. I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Not 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 all that and and by the way and I that's just, why why is every why is just everything terrible has to be ruined everything's yeah, terrible I know everything well because everybody's just, everything's horrible everyone has the attention span of a gnat now and so we have to figure out other ways to keep them engaged you see Aaron we have to keep the fans engaged because they can't just watch the game God forbid because everybody's on their phone and everybody's doing this and everybody's doing that so we have to think of other ways to entertain the fans other than actual game that's being played and then. And and then and then people wonder why people are getting smashed in the face with foul balls every two seconds in the stands now, and now they want to extend the netting basically all the way down uh, from home plate all the way down both first and third baselines to protect the fans. I'm not against protecting the fans, but here's an idea, jackasses: watch the pick game. your head up off out of your phone and watch the actual game. How about that? How about that? I mean, I'm not advocating for people getting hurt by foul balls, but I mean, you know, let's use a little common sense, shall we? Jeez. Ugh. Ridiculous! Everything's terrible. That's pretty much the point. Yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much the point. So anyway, the the, 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 yeah. So my best advice is don't ever leave your house. Yeah, right. Exactly. Just (laughs) just be a hermit. Just be a hermit. I mean, frankly, uh, with with the you know with the advent of technology, there's really not much reason. I mean, look, watching a football game on an HD TV is entirely 
It you have to be insane to go to a game. So much better watching football on television than going live. Game. Yes. I mean, because as we pointed out, nothing happens in an actual live game because of all the TV timeouts for commercials. And, and again, we said the, re- the way to do it is you, you watch a game on about a half, 45 minute delay. So yeah. Just, so you don't, so you, or just, if you have the red zone, you can just flip to the red zone during commercials of your game. If it's not on national TV and you watch the game like I have to, you know, on direct TV, and then, you know, the, the red zone's commercial free. But yeah. Look, at all sport uh, to me, all sports are better on, on te- television than they are live now. Um, you know, t- there's amazing TV shows now available on both streaming and cable, and you know, um, net- even some network shows or basic cable has some great shows, which we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, yeah, so there's really not a whole lot of reason to leave the. I mean, especially if you live where we live now, there's not a whole lot of reason to uh, to leave the house. Correct. Um, but uh, Yankees, I know we're off to a great start. Hit a little rough patch. Seems yeah, a lot of injuries. Yeah. Uh, bullpen is shaky. Yeah. Chapman's been really shaky this year. Had another shaky outing yesterday. I saw that. Did, not, have, blew did, a not, get one, did not get one swing and miss. Yeah. He's still on 100 miles an hour, but his, I guess his balls were coming straight as an hour. Yeah. Did not get one swing and miss. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they came very close to blowing the six one lead. Yeah, uh, Clifford is just completely tanked. Not, uh, not, not. That's that was not, somewhat he, predictable. Yeah, I mean, he's not as terrible as he's been, but to 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 count on him to be a lockdown seventh inning guy. Yeah, uh, fool's gold. Yes, yes, uh, very met like. Was, by was the waiting way. for the shoe to drop, but at least like even a, a normal clip doggy. You get like three good outings, one bad outing, which you know over a long season, that's you're gonna have a lot of. Uh, it's gonna give you a lot of. Uh, yes, but now it's. I mean, every time he comes in, right? Just, I mean, now it's now it's mental. I mean, yeah. I feel, actually feel bad for the guy. Well, um, I mean, I saw this in his brief sample size with the Mets two years ago when they made the World Series. When the Mets got him at the trade deadline, um, from I believe it was the A's. I forget what what team he was on, but he was actually. I think you did get him from the A's. Yeah, I think it was. He was actually really good, and he actually got got some big outs against his, another one of his former teams, the Nationals. Obviously, he's the well traveled one. But um, and, and so I knew, and while I was appreciative and thankful that he did that, I knew that was the death knell because Terry Collins. If you're a veteran with any kind of a track record of success, and you have like three good games for the Mets, that's it. You are entrenched. You are locked in. Yeah. And so he brought him in in some of those playoff games in the World Series. That I was just like you, Terry. Terry, have you been paying attention? Because you could see he was shot. Like it's a long season. He's been in the league forever, right? He has two pitches, right? He's got a fastball, which is not that and great he, anymore. And, if he and a changeup. He throws ninety-two, but if right. he's spotting it, he's okay. And if he's correct, changing, but he, he has no margin. For he out. leaves a changeup up, it gets it's bombed, and he throws a fastball over the middle, it gets bombed. Correct. He has correct. zero margin for error. Correct. Correct. Uh, but Terry Collins completely incapable of seeing that. Uh, so I kind of saw some of this as my point, even yeah. you know, two years ago, which is you know already kind of a long time. I know he was a throw-in when you got him late in the season last year, and he was really good, and he had a very good start to the year for you guys. But yeah, this you is, don't want him getting high leverage innings. No, this is not that unsurprising that he would be struggling. No. And Warren's been hurt, right? Now, so really, you've only got two guys. It wasn't that game. good when he was pitching either. Um, you know, he had, he was, he had some he rough over, outings. Yeah, he was all right, but uh, it really. Uh, you really like your two guys. Yeah, Patanzas and, and, and Chat. Well, Shreve has actually been very. I know not lately, but he actually had a great start to the year too. Yeah, yeah, he's another guy. If, uh, well, he, he did this he, two years ago, needs, right? He had a great he, year, and then late in the year, late he completely year, he collapsed. Right. He's a guy who throws like the split change. Right. So if he if he goes up against hitters who can lay off, of it, right. Uh, he's he's t- he's dead. Yeah. Um, he, he he's more effective when he's going up against really aggressive hitters. Right. Um. But anyway, yeah. yeah so, so their bullpens, uh, and obviously they got a lot of injuries. Uh, they're the top prospect. Robert Torres getting hurt for the year, right? Of course, on a head, head first slide in the home plate. I saw that he dislocated his shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, Torres labor. Yeah, adjusting. I mean, I'm going to ride this, uh, ride this, this wave. This is very unexpected. Uh, the power, the power, the power is not unexpected. The 330 batting average is super unexpected because this guy struck out 42 times. Well, it's so bizarre, and, but his, and his, his, uh, his on base is over 440. I know. The thing is, I mean, he's still striking out. It's a huge clip, but right. he walks all the time. Right. He's, well, right. I think teams are finally starting to pitch around him a little bit. But he's also, he's right. I mean, he's, he's the, the real impressive thing is all, so many of these bats, he's 0-2. Right. And he's not swinging at sliders in the dirt. Right. Um, he's still able to walk, get that, back in the count and work walks. I mean, the guy's just been amazing. He's not doing the uh, the Fonzie Soriano? 
Exactly. Uh huh. Oof. Yeah. Two thousand three uh, playoffs. Yeah. So that was painful. The only, yeah. Yeah. Um, the only thing that would worry me is you. You would expect at some point a five for fifty run is coming. I mean, it, 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 almost every player it happens. Right. Yeah. So it, it's yes, but still, I mean, it, it's um, it's it's a big enough sample size. I don't think it's a total mirage. Okay. At this point, I'm not saying he's going to hit three thirty. Right. But um, I, I think I think we got something. Okay. I think they, you know I don't think it's at least I'm hoping this is, this is not a okay. total mirage. Okay. I, I don't think this is Kevin Moss. Right. Yeah. Well, no, I don't think that either. I just I I, I think he he's going to regress to the mean, as they say. And be more like a 250 hitter who hits 40 home runs, but I, I, the 300 to 330 seems highly unlikely to me. But you know, look, I, it's, well, time shall tell. We will right. see who's right. They, 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 obviously, they, uh, I did not have real. Even though I had a great spring training, right. I didn't have real high hopes. But uh, well, I mean, again, guy struck out half of his at bats. I'm saying year. for the team overall. Oh right. Um, yeah, and just uh, but you know uh, the injuries started to catch up to me too. Now, now, now Castro's hurt. I saw that. So Castro is hurt. Obviously, Bird's been hurt all year. You guys just cut Chris Carter. Oh, yeah, uh, for their first for, base situation just been dismal. Yeah, I, that's what I'm telling you. Dude, Duda would be perfect for you guys. Perfect. He could hit him like sixth in that lineup. He'd probably slide right in, not feel a lot of pressure. He'd crush, you know. I mean, in Yankees, I mean, he can hit it out of any ballpark anyway. But I mean, he's he's, he's adequate in the field, right? Dig balls out of the dirt. I mean, he's not. He, he's good at digging balls out of the dirt. Just don't ever ask him to make a throw in a big spot, as we saw in the World Series. Right, and right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's he's not a terrible. He's not Dave Kingman. He's not a clown. A clod at first base, you know, the balls don't clang off his glove constantly. Um, but he's 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 certainly oh, David Arthur. He, he's no Keith Hernandez, that's for sure. Yeah. But he's he's at yeah, you can live with him. He's not going to kill you um, uh, at first base. You can probably you can live with him. He is good at scooping balls in the dirt. Yes, he's not doesn't have a lot of range. Um, you know, his throwing can be shaky from time to time. But overall. Uh, he's not going to kill you. But. Oh, by the way, Keithy uh, in a game in the ninth inning, I guess, when you were having that rough stretch out in, uh, in L.A. Okay. I think it was I one, want, one, I I think was one of those games, games yeah. where, like, ninth inning, catcher comes out to talk to the pitcher. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Keithy, I mean, you know, he, wants, he wants out of there. To yes, yes. Him. They're out in L.A., so he's not getting back to Sag Harbor. Right, so, right. Yeah, Sag um, Harbor. That's where he likes to go. But uh, the same with Coney. Coney's right. also a Sag Harbor guy. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, but yeah, just like Keith, he's just like, oh, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, he is not shy about expressing his displeasure. Oh, what is going on? <laughs> it's so great. He's the best. It's so great. Yeah, and, and and I think I texted you at the time um, on one of these West, West, West Coast games. They uh, they started out somehow. Uh, Tower Powers, what is hip? Uh-huh. Made its way into their uh, into okay. their conversation okay. with, with Gary Cohen quoting the lyrics. Uh-huh. I don't know what the, what the context was, right. but yeah, yeah they that's, they, that, they that's do, getting it done. They they do filler very well when the Mets are getting blown out and or the rare occasion the Mets are blowing another team out. They do filler extremely well. They uh, really do. Those guys are the best. Oh, oh, Keith has pontificated on about Disraeli gears by Cream, I mean, at least 10 times <laughs> oh, in the last three years. Oh, yeah, he, he talks about that album constantly. And then, of course, he always likes to say, oh, he did the tight, he did the Archie Bell and the Drells. Oh, is, it, is that right? Is it the tight it up guy? Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, nice. like if a player, like, in his mind chokes, he says, oh, he did the Archie Bell and the Drells. Yeah. Uh-huh, the tight note. Archie Bell and the Drells. Yeah. Yeah. Houston, Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Keith has referenced that many times. Oh, yeah, yeah. Keith. Keith and Gary know their music, and Gary's a big 80s alternative guy. I've heard Gary reference the Smiths uh, on a telecast. I've heard Ron Darling reference them that's, a that's couple of stuff. times. That's just, yeah. uh, just a little useless trivia for you. Archie Bell. Yeah. Archie Bell and the Drells. Uh-huh. Tighten up fame for uh-huh. His brother was, uh-huh. the rate, was the late Ricky Bell, the running back. Oh, uh, from the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. 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 Nice. Um, but, yeah, so your division is, uh, you know, Pretty pretty jammed up now. I mean, the Sox and you guys are pretty much tied for first place. Yeah. Uh, the Orioles have been a complete disaster. They, they got they got Zach Britton back. That's going to make a huge difference. Well, I, not not if they keep getting starting pitching like this. I mean, their starting pitching is dreadful. Well, finally, Kevin Gosman, who you know, is yeah. terrible. Right. The, the Yankees couldn't touch him. Right. I mean, even now the Yankees the last right. two outings have just, it's just yeah. destroyed him. Yeah. I mean, he, and and uh, I mean, Till, Chris Tillman is supposed to be one of their guys. He has an eight. Yeah, he's something been bad. ERA. He's, been really bad. he's been atrocious. The Bottle of Humanities, I don't know how the guy's still on the team. He's awful. Um, yeah, I think he's just using him in middle relief now. I know, but I'm saying even there he's been terrible. 
Um, and, and Buck Buck is still trying to cram that dis- idiotic decision he made last year to leave him in the game and not bring in Britain in the playoffs. Yeah. Remember? I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, and who's who? Who? Uh, Gosman. Who's their other starting pitcher? Young is supposed to be uh, Dylan Bundy. He's the other one, right? right? Yeah. I mean, their their starting pitching has just been wretched. So yes, I know Britain should help. O'Day, Britton, and uh, Brack, but Brock's good. Yeah, but I mean, they, 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 it's not going to do a whole, whole hell of a lot of good if they can't even get six decent innings. And I say decent, you know, six, six innings, three or four runs they take right now. They're not even getting that out of their starting pitching. Yeah, uh, and weirdly, Manny Machado has not hit at all for them this year. Well, really. Also, he just got hurt. You know, he got hurt a couple weeks ago too. Right, but uh, yeah, he was not hitting. And I was hitting like two twenty. Yeah, like yeah, two months into the season. Right, not having a great year. The Blue Jays, after a disastrous like first three weeks. Of the year have kind of rather they just can't get over the hump. They're still under five hundred, and the Rays amazingly. See, see what with, uh, with Osuna, Roberto's Osuna. Has yeah, he's got, an, he's got some sort of anxiety. Yeah, he's got anxiety. He says he doesn't feel it though when he plays baseball. Only when he's away from the yeah, field. Strange. So yeah, feel bad for him. Hoping he uh, hopefully, hopefully that gets it straightened out. Nasty stuff. Yeah, no, he's a good closer. I mean, he's definitely a good closer. Uh, and then the Rays, to me, are you know one of the best stories of the season so far. I yeah, mean, they're, they're hitting the ball too. And they're hitting. I mean, you know, they're hitting. And you know what else they do? They catch everything. They catch everything. They have a good out. The Kiermaier is a great center fielder. Um, what's his face? Uh, Souza can go get it in the outfield. Yeah. Um, you know, Longoria is still a good third baseman. Um, yeah. I mean, they. You know, they 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 make all the plays. And they're hitting a ton of home runs, and they've actually got a decent starting pitching staff. Bullpen's a little shaky. Colomay's pretty good. The guys leading up to him are, are a little shaky, but um, I mean, they're. Well, I think they're like two games over five hundred, which is which is pretty impressive. So yeah, so, yeah, so it's it's pretty competitive division. Yeah, be interesting. You know, be fun to watch. And then overall, the home run thing. I mean, look, I think there's a couple of factors. One, and this has been going on for a while, but nobody cares about striking out anymore, right? I mean, 150 yeah. strikeouts is perfectly acceptable. Nobody cares. Two, guys are making a conscious effort to hit the ball in the air for a couple different reasons. One, the shifts, all the shifts, right? Yeah, and are we going to discuss launch angle, man? No. No? Uh, no? No. Oh, that's the other thing. Ron Darling despises. He, he, he said, you know what? Said, Why don't you guys give me exit velocity the next time a guy hits a jam jobber back to the, to the pitcher's mound, okay? How about you give me the exit velocity on one of those hits? Yeah. Keithy, not a big fan of the exit velo. Uh, it's like, oh, really? A home run was hit really hard? Wow, that's so surprising. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Gee, the exit velocity was high on a, on a ball that was smashed over the wall? Wow. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I told you, watching highlights on Baseball Network, it, it's, it's almost impossible. You have to watch StatCast by Amazon. Everything's a, a commercial, a plug. Yep, exactly. You know, fan graphs, this thing, that no, thing. I don't watch ESPN anymore. No, well, it's unwatchable. No, 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 nor should you. Yeah, so I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll turn over to the, the MLB network every now and then. I hope you know, hope we're just they're just doing highlights. I don't need. Yeah, I like Plesac. I think he does a pretty good job there. But anyway, the whole home runs thing. Yes, the launch angle, which basically means guys are making a conscious effort to hit the ball in the air because you know I guess it's being proven now that if you, you do it a certain amount, it's, the more times you do it, the more likely you are to hit home runs. And then the other thing is because you know. You know, in the old days, right, if you hit a hard ground ball between first and second and you're a lefty hitter, it was a base hit, now it's an out. Right. Right? So guys are like, might as well. And God forbid anybody go to left field anymore. That's the other thing. I mean, God forbid. Ryan McCann, supposedly, uh, uh, since since he went over to the Astros, he's really made a concerted effort to try to hit the ball to left. Yeah. Um, I mean, remember Teixeira when he he, would hit lefty. He he became a 230 hitter. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Both both McCann and Teixeira. Right. 230 hitters. Right. They were dead pull hitters. Yeah. They they basically either hit a home run or struck out or walked. If they didn't hit a home run, they couldn't get a hit. Right. Um, And uh, so, and then the other thing is everybody throws 95 now too. So, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, you throw that hard, if you put it out over the plate, guys are making a conscious decision. I mean, look, Dodger Stadium used to be a pitcher's park, one of the hardest places in the world to hit home runs. They just smashed, how, what, how many home runs and how many games against the Mets? With yeah, exactly. 14 home runs in four games. You must have really enjoyed watching Jay turn. Well, I didn't watch. I didn't, I didn't watch. I, I mean, I, I didn't watch any of that. And by the way, by the way, and let me let me say this, because you know I killed the Mets on, on their on their, a lot of their personnel moves, okay? Uh, and there was an article, I think, by either Joel Sherman or John Harper last week about, you know, the mis- mistakes the Mets have made that have led to this point. And two of the examples they pointed out were 
getting rid of Justin Turner and not re-signing Daniel Murphy. So let, let, let me address both of those. First of all, Justin Turner was a 264 home run ass clown, okay, Mr. Pie in the face on 76 win teams, but could have was the first guy out there to do his shaving cream in the pie routine face nonsense, okay, with his stupid red beard. So get out. Get out. I don't care that he's not on the Mets anymore. I couldn't wait to get rid of that guy. All right? I have no no qualms. Beard is such a disqualification. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, he basically looks like a garden gnome. Or he looks like that character on Game of Thrones, basically. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. So I, I have no qualms with the Mets letting Justin Turner go. I mean, I, I really. I, again, the guy hit 260. Yeah, granted, he was a bench player. But there was nothing to suggest he would be... The 320-25 home run 100 RBI guy with gold glove caliber defense at third base that he's turned into with the Dodgers. Nothing to suggest that whatsoever. And again, you want to be Mr. Ass Clown Pie in the Face guy? Go do it somewhere else, particularly when my team stinks. I, I don't need that. When That's your biggest concern is being the first guy to rush out of the dugout on a team that's winning somewhere around 75 to 77 games every year. So goodbye. And the Daniel Murphy thing... Um, Daniel Murphy's average season, by the way, over about six, five or six seasons of playing a lot for the Mets, it might have even been seven, was 287, 10, and 64. With terrible defense and terrible base running. Exactly. And and not a particularly high on base percentage either because he didn't walk a lot, right? With, so, with, 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 I guess, an overall low baseball IQ from what you could tell. Uh, maybe the worst ever. Yeah. Right. Which, of course, that's, that's you know, pretty part and parcel with the Mets in general, but yes. Um, so... And yes, we all saw what he did in the playoffs. He absolutely flamed out in the World Series. He was horrendous both in the field and uh, at the plate. But yes, he had that great run where he had, what, six home runs in however many games it was. Um, he, he, I will say, to his credit, he did get big hits for the Mets. He was a fairly clutch hitter. Um, but, uh, I mean, again, 287, 10, and 64 over like a seven-year span. A five to seven year span. This is not like the Mets. Nothing to hit in what. Nothing. What's gone on that he's hitting three forty four again this year, and he's going to hit you know twenty five home runs and driving one hundred twenty runs. I mean, there was nothing to suggest he would turn into that good of a player. Nothing. And well, you know, and if you had resigned him, right? We don't resign Cespedes, so you know. And, and he hits two forty. Oh well, no. He might. He might have done. He done so he Twelve and sixty. Well, he might have done what he did. I mean, that his last year with the Mets was his best year. It was you know two ninety fourteen home runs and seventy three RBIs. So it wasn't even like there was a huge spike that led you to believe, okay, this next turn is coming. It was like slow. You know, that's about what you expected from him. Two eighty five, two ninety, with about a three thirty on base percentage, ten to twelve or so home runs, and you know sixty five to seventy five RBIs with, like you said, bad defense and. Some of the worst base running you'll ever see. Yeah. Now, I, I, to be fair, yes, he was. He, he makes it. He, he got clutch hits, and he would make the occasional spectacular play in the field. But he also did a lot of things that made you scratch your head. And again, had they re-signed Murphy, they would never re-sign Cespedes. So um, I have no issues with that whatsoever. So anyway, that's uh, now some of the other moves that the Mets have made, which, uh, which is basically we just spent an entire show. On yeah, exactly. Case. So, but we won't. We won't get into that. So we'll finish up the show with uh, just quick recaps of uh, three season finales all this week, and probably three of the best shows on TV: Veep, Fargo, and Better Call Saul. Outstanding, all of them. Um, Veep doing a very nice job setting us up for next season with a. I guess they're going to be mirroring uh, the, uh, the the Hillary, the Hillary Trump, Trump race. Yes, obviously, Selena Meyer. You know, with the image of her going down the escalator in the finale. Oh yes, but obviously. Uh, Remember the, yeah. Yeah, and? Well, that's a, a reference to Mr. Trump when he announced his camp, candidacy. And, you know, oh, I thought you were comparing it to Hillary. Hillary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yes, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, there's yeah. all kind of references. It, right. It, that show's just so well well written. Oh, I mean, the characters are great. And, and, and the delivery of the lines, though, are so fast, sometimes I have to like, yeah, pause yeah, and rewind. Because yeah. if you blink, you'll miss something really she's, funny. She's, she's about as hateful <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she's not not a great she's, person, Selena no, she's Meyer. Really awful. Really not a good human being. Really, yeah. all the way around. No. Um, 
Uh, Gary, I think, uh, shown uh, uh, this season. I really did. I thought they, they – I mean, he's always been funny. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, the episode where they go to his parents' house. Right, right. And Stephen Root plays his dad. <laughs> that was hilarious. Getting warmer. Yeah, exactly. So Veep was great. Uh, Fargo, I thought, started out very blah. slow, and it really picked up steam. Well, it, the second the second, the second Ewan McGregor character got killed off, the show got much better. I would agree with that. Right? Yeah. And and any time it was about either the David Thewlis character, VM Fargo, and or uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character. Which yeah, I, it was uh, Nikki, uh, Nikki Swango. Right. Anytime they were uh, prominently featured, fantastic TV. I, well, I thought... Uh, I thought um, What's her name? Uh, Carrie Coon. She's Canada. good. She was fantastic. She's very good. I she was very great. good. That whole it was, it, it was really dark. And so, like they're, they're, it, as of right now, they're probably not going to do another season. Oh, is that right? Yeah, because uh, Noah Hawley, yeah, chief uh-huh. writer, uh-huh. Yep. He says uh, after this season, he thinks he said all he can say. Like, okay. Yeah, as of, he says, like as of right now, he's got nothing else to say. Right. And these three seasons have been very different. Very different. Very different. This last one yeah. being extremely dark and uh, kind of a uh, foreboding. Yep. Um, essay, I guess, on where we are now. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, particularly when you talk about, you know, the corporate takeover part of it, and so, yeah, you know, I mean, and and how great was it, though, that the Ewan McGregor character, I mean, you talk about somebody who learned absolutely (laughs) nothing, (laughs) right? right? You know, he had the whole thing with his brother, he accidentally kills his brother, you know, and then he gets away with it, and there he is sitting, you know, his best friend, who he sold out, Right, and then the guy is now, you know, basically uh, mangled beyond, you know, recognition mm-hmm. mentally now, right? Because he he allowed him to get poisoned, poisoned by th- this VM Varga guy who's played by David Thewlis, and there he is. The guy who played his buddy was Michael Stuhlbarg, who, who played who was in Boardwalk Empire. Correct, right? he's Arnold Rothstein. Right. Correct. Um, that guy's in everything now. Yeah, he is. He's in a lot of things. But so there they are, sitting around the table, Thanksgiving dinner. Just it Look up. at us. Look at us. Oh, I'm so happy. And then that, the deaf guy that Carrie Coon's character, I mean, uh, that Mary Elizabeth Winsett's character uh, had, you know. That uh, deaf guy, if you remember, he was in the first season. I do not, know. Yeah. I yeah, he was, one, he was one of the hitmen along with. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. With, uh, what's his name? That's right. Um, That's right. You know who I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, out, out on the farm, right? It was the season where they're out on the farm, the the family, the old guy, and then the, with the mothers, Gene Smart, she yeah. takes over. No, 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 that was the second season. Oh. No, the first season, the one with Billy Bob Thornton. That deaf guy, he was one of the hitmen oh, okay. with um, Adam Goldberg. Gotcha. Oh, that's right, that's right. Anyway, uh, anyway yeah, very, very happy to see the Hugh McGregor character, Mr. Stussy, uh, get his comeuppance there at the end. And it's Stussy. Some, somebody who learned absolutely nothing. Uh, and in that last scene between Carrie Coon and uh, and David Thewlis was right. very good as well. Yeah. Just the home run. Yeah, really good. And then Better Call Saul. Really good. Wow, that uh, that's some that's some big stuff there. Adios, yeah. Mr. Chuck. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, and I mean, I guess so. I guess they they were st- obviously starting to lay the groundwork for for how. You know, the, the to, Saul to character became such a sort of slimy, right, like ambulance chaser. Mm-hmm. But then, obviously, you would think that in next season's show, so uh, in next season's show, something bad's obviously going to happen to um to Kim, Kim right? right? That's right. what's going to really set him off. But you know, he's going to be freaked out, obviously, about the whole Chuck situation. Yeah, um, and that's yeah, and just when you think he's he's really just just loathsome. He does something that kind of redeems himself. Like nothing's black and white in that show. Who? Who? Jimmy? Yeah. Yeah. The the the, the Bob Odenkirk character. Yeah. Yes. Although I have to say, what he did to that old woman. Well, that was unforgivable. Well, well I, at that point, I, I was like, unforgivable. Okay. I'm, I'm, but then, but then that last episode, he tries to make up. For I understand that. Own. But the fact that you would even put yeah. an old woman through something yeah, like that yeah, I, and yeah. make her feel that bad, honestly, I like I got I got. Like, I was getting really angry yeah, at that point. I yeah. was really. Really struggling Between that, with that. And, him, and you know, and him uh, tripping in the uh, tripping, falling on his back, right? Know, in the right in the music store, right? So oh, with, like, with with the uh, really with the Sklar, the Sklar yeah. brothers, yeah. Yeah. yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, very they're they're very reminiscent of uh, the twins that go into the fish and chip shop in Fast Times at Ridgemont High when <laughs> when, when 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 Hamilton, played by Judge Reinhold, is, is is banished to go work at the chip, the fish and chips, or the Arthur Treacher's like place. He's got to wear the dopey pirate hat. Yeah. And like 
is there is, is that fried? I, I can't. You want you want to see me break out? I can't have that. I, yeah, there's like this weird uh, twin. These two twins. That's what the Sklar brothers remind me of. Um, but yeah, no. Listen, great ending to Saul. Yeah, um, we get to see what you know how Hector Salamanca yep. wound up the way he did. Yep. he is so vile. Oh yes, he is. It's disgusting. Yes, he is. And you know, obviously, we got some some episodes with Gus. Uh, played by erstwhile Giancarlo Esposito, um, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a really good season. Obviously, Mr. Ermintrout. Every time he's in the, the he's show, tremendous. tremendous. Jonathan Banks, who knew the uh, guy from Beverly Hills, <laughs> he played Victor Maitland's henchman in Beverly right. Hills Cop, yeah, yeah. and was the, and was one of the co- first cops on the scene in the beginning of Forty Eight hours. hours. Exactly. Yeah, and then he was also on Wise Guy. Also, right. he was big on that. Yes, right. But uh, yeah, just a great, great season. Great three. Uh, you know, Fargo again started out a little slow. Really picked up steam after. Yeah, you know, for I don't like that gimmick of Hugh McGregor playing. I like Hugh McGregor in general, but him playing the, the twin brother or not even twin brothers. One's an older brother, one's a younger brother playing dual roles. I, I, I find it very gimmicky. It was, little, it was, it was clumsy. It's well, a little it gimmicky. It's, a little, it's Mickey Mouse, is what it is. Is that right? It's Mickey Mouse. Yeah, it's Mickey Mouse. So yeah, I didn't love that. And like I said, after that character. The one character got killed off. I thought the show really picked up steam. All right. That is going to wrap it up for this week's show. Game of Thrones, couple weeks. That's right. Winter is coming. Thanks for listening. Peace out.